Yo. <laughs> How's everybody? You going to help me with the question, sweetie? Oh, okay. Should I start without you? Okay. Well, most of you know what we do at this time as we introduce the teaching for the morning is we have a question. We pose a question, and all of you are free to engage. Those of you on live stream, you'll use this number to engage with us, 720-878-3323. Or you can type it into the Facebook chat window, or you can send, it, send us your response via the response form that we introduced a little bit ago. Go to the homepage of the uh, website, scroll to the bottom, and just hit the Contact Us button, and you can submit it that way. Good morning. Again. It's good to have you with us. <laughs> yeah, I How's kinda, your throat? I kind of had to Did come. You, yeah. I don't know. It's been dry lately, and Has if it? I'm getting up to speak, it gets drier. It must yeah. be psychological. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's our question? Well, it's right here, honey, and I'm going to let you... Oh, I get to read it. I'm going to let you read it. All right, of course, you all know we're on this topic of unprayer. Yeah. If you were asked, what would be the number one tip you would give someone about how to experience prayer? If you were asked, what would be the number one tip you would give to somebody about how to experience prayer? And there are no right or wrong answers. This is just something out of your heart, out of your experience, and, um, you know, we're all diverse, and so it's probably a very good thing that we have some different concepts on this and something that will mean something to someone else once you, once you have said it. So what's your number one tip you would give somebody about how to experience prayer? If you're here in the sanctuary, if you lift your hand, I'll come to you with the microphone. If you would rather send it to me by text and those of you on live stream, if you'll text 720-878-3323 with your answer, then I'll read it from here. Or put it in the Facebook chat window or use the contact form. And I'll be monitoring the contact form in case they use that means. So once again, respond to the question now. Everybody, even in here, get your phone out, text us, or raise your hand. We'll bring you the mic. The reason we do that isn't so that the people in here can hear you. We could hear you fine, but it needs to go out over the live stream so everybody know under here's the question. Okay, I'm going to go behind you okay. here. I have an answer in here. Mm -hmm. Again, the question is: If you were asked. What would be the number one tip you would give somebody about how to experience prayer? And I specifically didn't use the word success, how to have success in prayer. It, it's not about your image or my image of being successful in prayer. I really want to get away from that sort of idea of prayer. To listen. Hmm. To listen. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, do you have one? <laughs> Hope. Hope? Hope? Yes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You are exactly right, young man. Yes, sir. Uh, my first thought was listen also. Listen. But it's uh, listen and hope that you know prayer is effective. Mm. Prayer okay. makes a difference. Listen and believe or know or trust that your prayer is being effective. 
that God's heard your prayer and that it's being effective. Excellent, great answers. We have another one. Okay, I'm, I'm moving around here. Hang on a second, we'll go right here. Be yourself and just relax and have a conversation. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> You're always in the presence of God, so just talk to him. Just talk to him, which is what you said. And Jeff Peters says, complete silence and no distractions. But here's the thing, Jeff. How can you have no distractions? Is that not our problem? <laughs> Who else? Great answers, everybody. Yeah, really great. Let's see if I have anything else on here. No, not so far. Anybody else? The question was, what's your number one tip about how to experience prayer? So, you know, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, as you walk with the Lord and you, you mature in your walk with the Lord, I'm sure there are individuals who say, how do you pray? You know, what about this thing of prayer? It, I find it difficult. What, what do you do when you pray? That's what I'm looking for right now. What would you tell somebody as just sort of a tip or some guidance about how they can be effective in prayer? I really liked the just be yourself. So sometimes I pray to a friend, kind of, kind of like talking to, a, just having a conversation with a friend, mm -hmm. like in my car kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's father. It's, it kind of varies, but it's be yourself and, 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 and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I, okay, Anna says, being fully present in prayer. Ooh. See, That's you, really good. These guys are dipping in to Your some message. of lesson four, five, and six. This is where everybody has yeah. a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. Everybody's yeah. in tune. Okay, I have another one. Honesty from Michael. Honesty and prayer. Honesty. That's, that's awesome, because you know, he knows. All of these. For, for people who are afraid or ashamed or yeah. feeling guilt or something, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like, well, maybe they don't even go to prayer because they feel ashamed and afraid or yeah. whatever, embarrassed. I guess sh guilt, guilt is the other one, shame, guilt. But, it, but really, God already knows. And honesty, being honest. Yeah. Honest with yourself and honest in your conversation to God, not because he doesn't know. And you know what, Michael, when I think of that word honesty, I really love that. I'm glad you brought that up because I, uh, could we bring me down just a little bit? Because I, I want to get a little bit louder. So, yeah, thanks. Um, I, I, think, I think for a lot of years, um, I wasn't as transparent with my friend Jesus and just open and honest with things because I felt I had to put on. I, I, I felt I had to make prayer happen. I had to, I'm going to talk about it this morning. You kind of had to be holy in prayer. Yeah, so there's kind of like you put on a mask with God and, and you're just not real, you're not yourself because of things we think we have to do in prayer. And Barb, help me out, would you turn off the overhead fans? Thanks. So Jeff Peter answered my question that I asked him what do you mean by, you know, no distractions? How can you have no distractions? And he said, shut exactly. the TV off, turn the phone off when you pray, <laughs> those kinds of things. Did you have another? Goes along with being honest, be honest with yourself first. Ooh, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, and then expect it to be two-sided. God will answer. 
So listen, you won't expect it to be two-sided. It's not so it's conversational, it's conversational, isn't it? Conversation, yes. Yeah, it's conversational. It, it's not one-sided. It's not me just explaining to God my needs or asking for him to do something that I need him to do. It's conversational. So prayer isn't just all about talking, in other words. Well, and interestingly enough, my uh, next, our, our, our next... Uh, sermon in this series is called you talk too much <laughs> don't look at me okay moving on so Je uh, jim says this is good just do it in other words just pray and let the holy spirit guide you yeah just do it yeah <laughs> don't be so worried about it just I, do it i think sometimes we get all wound up in the right way to do it you know am i doing the right steps do i have the right procedures Oh, man, that's such a bondage. May God help us this morning. Which, this entire series is called Unprayer. It's like the Uncola, 7-Up, the Uncola. I actually looked up those ads. Yeah. Uh, I'll share them before the series is over. They're really cute. The difference is, is that Uncolas don't taste so good, but I'm, I have a feeling Unprayer is a good thing. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not sure everybody agrees, though, with that. <laughs> okay, Tanya. Hi, Tanya says, do not come with a list of, I don't want this or that. Be grateful and speak life into your world, so to speak. Mm. So be grateful in prayer and speak life into your world. I like that. That's really good. Really good. A lot of good, great answers today, I think. Yeah, there always like are. Great, great, a lot of great keys. You, these, these folks yeah. are just some of the most spiritual people I've met. That's a good thing. All right, what else, anybody? I think we're about done. Maybe let me look at my no more. And texts. thanks for answers. Yeah, I'm going to check the email here to see if anybody sent a form. Oh, did yeah. Joel Osteen yeah. send something? Yeah, Joel Osteen. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we're tight. Yeah, okay. Joel and I are tight. All righty then. Yeah. Okay. And this is for prayer. This one here, and I okay. for, I forwarded it. To you. Okay, great. Okay. All right. Anything else, anybody? All right, let's get into Thanks. it then. All right, super. Well, this morning we are in part three of our series entitled Unprayer, and this morning's called Prayer is Not a Discipline. Let me show you the various messages. We're going to have it on the screen here. Here's the six messages in this series. We've already spoken about the circle of life. It's about formation. Number two, it's not about getting answers. Number three, prayer is not a discipline. Number four, you talk too much, so that'll be next week, God willing. Number five, freedom from religious formula. And then number six, the secret of quiet. And here's the big idea for the entire series. To awaken your mind to your oneness with God's love and nature so that prayer becomes a life-giving transformational experience for you and others. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is formation. Prayer is partnering with God to see his will done on earth. Prayer, now I, I want to show you this. We're going to put this on the screen. This is an important thought. Prayer is not getting from God. Prayer is getting God. There's a big difference. So this morning, prayer is not a discipline. What do I mean? Well, first of all, let's define the word discipline. I looked it up. 
Webster's has a couple of different definitions for it, as you might imagine. I picked the two that I feel are the most common and that I've wrestled with personally the most in my life as well. First of all, self-control. Self-control. So discipline has to do with controlling myself. Training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character, Webster says. He also says that regarding self-control, that discipline means a rule or system of rules governing conduct or activity. I can tell you I grew up with that idea regarding spirituality. To train or develop by instruction or exercise, especially in self-control. For me, Christianity was all about conforming myself to a list of behaviors that were right and scriptures and what they taught that taught me how to behave and how to live. And in doing that then, I would position myself to be pleasing to God and receive things that I prayed about. And that if I didn't do what I needed to do, then God would not bless me and God would not answer my prayer. Now the worst of that, discipline can mean punishment. To punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character. I was actually um, on a little trip with several... uh, uh, mates that we drove up into the mountain together, mountains together. I, I was a teenager, and these were some some roommates of mine. We all mine. We all lived together. There were four of us in the same apartment, and uh, we took a trip up to one of the ski resorts. And then we were driving back, and uh, there were two different cars uh, for the four of us, and uh, uh, we got back down to town, and then discovered that the other gentleman who had been following us in his car wasn't any longer. We thought we just got separated, you know, and uh, we'd, you know, keep traveling. And then we come to find out he didn't get back into town. In fact, it hit the news that he had had an accident in his car and was headed to the hospital. Now, it wasn't that that was devastating enough, but the pastor's wife of the church pulled the remaining three of us aside and did individual interviews with each of us asking about the sin that must be in our life to have a roommate get into a crash. So in other words, what I grew up under, and I spent years in that church, was this idea that God would punish you for your disobedience. And, And let alone not answer prayer, but there would be punishment, and this that had happened in his life must be a result of one of us or several of us having some sort of sin or unconfessed sin in our life. Now, you might reflect on that and say, oh my goodness, that's terrible. There's a lot of people that grow up with that in modern evangelical Christianity, especially here in the America West. Punishment is an effort to gain control by enforcing obedience. Many Christians live under that idea of God. And I'm here to tell you that if that's your idea of discipline, if that's your idea of God, your relationship with God, it will absolutely cancel receiving uh, requests to your prayer. 
That's again why I'm calling this entire series Unprayer. I want to undo, I want to present you something other than the cola of Christianity. I I, I want to present you something else besides the cola of prayer and introduce you to the seven up of relationship. Oh, I don't know if you're listening to me, but it really is different when you develop a relationship with God that's not built on religious standards and expectations and all of that sort of thing. I read an article this week on this subject of the discipline of prayer. Here was the first line in the article, all right? Everybody listen. This was the first line, the first couple of words in the article on the discipline of prayer. Prayer is hard work. (laughs) Now, I used to believe that. In fact, I used to teach that. I was all about method. There was a method, and there's a right way to pray. And so a daily quiet time, a regimented regimented routine, consistent content that I had to follow in terms of what I brought into my prayer time, how I prayed, the verses I read, how many verses I read. And you know, it, it, it just didn't feel right unless I was doing it for an hour a day. In fact, I found out and it was taught that Daniel prayed three times a day. And so if you were really going to be a mature Christian, you'd pray three times a day like Daniel did. All of this stuff can become such a bondage, such a heaviness to where it just bricks your Christianity. I believed and was taught that there were right words to pray, ones which were, would more likely be heard ones which would agree with God and what he thinks, ones which were more powerful or filled with faith, they'd release faith better. I even believed that tone and volume equaled authority, and so that was especially important when dealing with the devil. You needed to get loud, and you needed to pray it with authority. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have been under that kind of teaching or thought that or practiced that because I think it's more than we would know or more than you would admit. But I know that was my background. I know I grew up with it, and it's very common teaching in evangelical circles. From the same article that I mentioned, here's another statement. We must deal with any knowledge of sin in our lives before we can expect God to hear and act upon our prayers. You speak, God listens. He will speak back to you through his word, the Bible, or through your circumstances. Where's the Holy Spirit? (laughs) He's going to use circumstances or he'll use the Bible, but he said nothing about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not going to lead me and guide me, which is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and do why it was important for Jesus to leave the earth so that the Holy Spirit could come and he would guide you into all truth. Nothing said about that. You'll know answers by the Bible or by your circumstances. Really, a lot of my circumstances don't seem to agree very much with the Bible sometimes. If I trusted my circumstances for answers... We must deal with any known sin in our life Imagine, I'm just wondering, would anybody get their prayers answered 
If you had to be sure every little bit of sin was out of your life before God would listen, God would hear, God would answer, what, at what level are you clean enough? At, at what level are you pure enough? At what level have you really dealt with everything? Now, how many of you have heard the name Charles Spurgeon? Great Baptist preacher from the 1800s. I mean, his sermons and his teaching and his outlines and notes are still used today by hundreds of thousands of preachers and students of the Bible as authoritative. And uh, I've read many of the sermons and works of Charles Spurgeon, and he was a great, great preacher. He's an evangelist type, won many people to Christ. But I must say that this next comment from Charles, I would take some issue with. Listen, and I quote Charles Spurgeon from the Victoria, Victorian era of the 1800s. Quote, if the spirit of prayer is not with the people, the minister may preach like an angel, but he cannot expect success. There may be in that church wealth, talent, labor, and many outreach efforts, but the Lord is not there. Prayer is as sure evidence of the presence of God as the rising of the thermometer is evidence of an increase in temperature. If God is near a church, it must pray. If he is not, one of the obvious signs of his absence will be lethargy in prayer. On the one hand, I get it. If there's complete prayerlessness, you have to ask yourself, well, what about my relationship with God? I, am I not talking with God at all? I have a relationship with my wife and we talk and some days we talk more than others, but we talk to each other, we share, there's conversation. That would be expected in any relationship. And we're talking here about the most important relationship on the planet, Earth, with the most important individual in your life, and that is God and his son, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. So certainly there must be some conversation, but do you see sort of a thread going through my personal experiences as well as the references to the things that I'm reading? It seems like prayer is a matter of obedience. It's legislation. It's constituted. And if you don't do it the right way, God's presence isn't going to be there. God's not going to bless you. You can't expect answers in prayer. In fact, if it's not done right, if there's not enough, God will pick up and move. God will leave you. That's sort of the whole idea, and I grew up with that, absolutely grew up with that as the idea or the discipline of prayer. I want this morning to present to you one of the greatest unprayers, one of the greatest views of unprayer that I know. We'll call it the seven up of prayer. Let's go. Here's the scripture. We'll have it for you on the screen. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Persist in prevailing prayer. Be attentive and sensitive. Grace and gratitude 
is the language of prayer. At the same time, remember me in your prayers. Pray that what God has in me would impact many with the revelation of the mystery of Christ, far beyond the walls of the prison cell. And another that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Constantly engage your thoughts in worshipful prayer. Dear ones, above anything else, prayer is first a function of your thought life before it is even a function of your words. And why do I say that? You are the temple of Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He speaks to you via your thoughts. Holy Spirit doesn't often give people open visions and speak to them in audible voices. That, that happens, but it's rare. When it comes to our daily walk with Jesus, he uses our mind. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit speaks to our thought life. Paul seems to suggest that prayer isn't something I pull aside for a set amount of time, get out all of the stuff I have to have for prayer, and then with some sort of consistency and measure, measured a dutiful, you know, commitment, I have my prayer time. Paul seems to suggest this starts in your mind with your thoughts and that you should be doing it all day long. Is that possible? He says in the book of Ephesians, pray without ceasing. Uh, Again, no show of hands. Could, could, could I ask, how many of you pray without ceasing? How many of you this past week prayed without ceasing? All day long, every hour, you were in prayer. You got nothing done. If you believe in the cola of prayer, the discipline, the traditional discipline of prayer, because the discipline of prayer, you've got to be on your knees, you've got to have your Bible in front of you, you've got to do it in a certain way, use certain words, you've got to be, you know, maybe put on some music, whatever you're going to do. And how interesting, Paul seems to diverge from that completely and move away from that. He uses these words, attentive and sensitive. Be attentive and sensitive to the voice. So I submit to you, my own prayer life. I'll just use it as an example. I no longer have a set quiet time. I no longer participate in regimented routine. I no longer follow a consistent pattern every time I pray of the things I have to do or say in prayer. I don't get loud. I don't grow soft intentionally. It might be what's flowing out of my heart. I don't do it to get something. I don't do it to drive the devil off. Here's what I'm learning. That throughout the day, the Holy Spirit will just quicken to me some a thought. It could be about you. Reminding me of something you said, a request you made for prayer, something we've shared in our relationship that I'm reminded of, that I know is a need, 
in your life? And I'll start praying. You know, I might be driving down the road. I might be sitting at my computer working. And all of a sudden, I have this thought. And so out of being attentive and sensitive to Holy Spirit, I respond to him. And I just begin to pray. I ask for you. I pray for you. Or I lift something. The other day, I was troubled in my heart over some circumstances that I had dealt with in a phone call. And so I took the dogs and I thought, well, this is a good time. I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll go out for a walk and I'll just see what the Lord says. And so as I got out on the sidewalk and we were walking, me and my little guys, I just, it sort of came over me. And I just started loving Jesus and pouring out very real, honest thoughts. Words that weren't put just so. And I mean, you, you would have been embarrassed to say the same things in a church service. You would have been embarrassed that they were disjointed and unconnected. And, and then the dog pulls over to the side, you know, and he has to do his business. And I have to tend to that. What an interruption. In prayer? You can't pray like that. No, I picked up his due, and then I got back, we're walking on the, and I'm right back just sharing my heart as if I were out walking the dogs with Nina and we're talking. Or as if I'm out walking on the sidewalk going somewhere with one of you and we're just talking. I don't make it up, I don't have to struggle, I don't have to get loud or soft or authoritative. I don't have to check and see what sins I still have so that I confess them first. Get on your good side. I'm just attentive to Holy Spirit and that's what Paul said, he said, be attentive to, sensitive to Holy Spirit. You know what I found by doing this? I actually pray for more individuals that I told, said, I will, I'll pray for you. Have you ever told somebody, I'll pray for you? And then you don't think of that for a week later. You realize, I haven't prayed at all. I told them I was going to pray. You know what's wrong is because of this traditional idea of the discipline of prayer, we think we need to get them on a prayer form, need to get them in a prayer list, and then when I get to the place, quote, place of prayer, and I get into the discipline of prayer, then I'm going to begin to pray for them. Why? See, Holy Spirit will bring up to your heart and to your mind all day long needs that people have. He'll remind you of that conversation where somebody asked if you would pray for them. And you might continue what you're doing. Certainly if you're driving down the highway, you're not going to pull over, fold your hands, get your Bible out, put on some worship music and have a time of prayer to pray for somebody. But you might do it right in your car. And do you know that is just as an effective means of praying as any other mode of prayer. I call it unprayer. Non-religious prayer. You see... I'm learning that my needs can be expressed far more simply and with much greater trust now that God hears and that it's not because I fashion my words just right. And so I now experience the power of trusting Jesus instead of methods and exact language and the volume of my voice 
And then Paul in verse 2 says, let grace and gratitude be the language of your prayer. Grace and gratitude. You know what? See if you identify with this. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. I dare you to tell the Lord that next time. Oh, I'm, being, I'm not trying to kid you or just have fun with you. I'm serious. Have you ever just like gone for a walk or you're out in your car or you're by your bedside and you know you need that hour of prayer and pull out the Bible and the work and you're going to pray through this list. You're going to really be successful and accomplish and you don't want to do it. It's the furthest thing from your desire. You want to watch some TV and veg and order pizza. You know what you could do? Tell Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit, I don't want to pray. I said that to the Lord earlier this week, and you know what I heard back? This is just me, okay? He said, that's okay. I'm there with you in those moments as well. I understand. Don't pray. At least don't pray the way you've been taught to, Jeff. (laughs) And I thought, oh, man, unprayer. The seven up of prayer. God understands even when I don't feel like praying. And I don't have to meet a schedule. I don't have to have a certain volume. I don't need to say certain things. Why? Because it's a relationship. It's not a duty. There's no goal. There's not a quota. Then I heard this. See if this resonates with your your spirit. Incarnation means he's prayed my prayers already. Jesus became human, incarnation, so that I might become like him. Last week we read in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, verse 3 and 4, he's already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness by exercising the great and precious promises. So, what if you are already as holy as you are going to get? What if you are already as righteous as you will ever be? And you just smoked a joint this week. Come on. What if all of that stuff actually doesn't matter, is not going to make you more right with God or get his ear any differently, and you need to slip into grace and gratitude and realize that even when you're having trouble in prayer, Jesus has done your praying for you. See, we stop here. Jesus has forgiven me by his blood, so I'm forgiven. Is that the only thing the incarnation accomplished? What about when you're feeling weak and you just need a... You remember Jesus felt weak and he grew tired and then he was replenished? Jesus has felt tired with you, for you. Jesus has felt overwhelmed for you and with you. Jesus has prayed your prayers. Jesus has already obeyed God perfectly for you. 
That's what incarnation means. So I just walk in it. Listen to this. He prays for me, through me, in me, and at one with me. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, He lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Watch what Paul says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Look at it together with me. Let no anxiety about anything distract you. That includes prayer. Rather, translate moments into prayerful worship and soak your requests in gratitude before God. There it is again in now another letter to a different church. Gratitude and grace. Let no anxiety about anything distract you. Rather, translate those moments. You know what? I pray more now than I have ever prayed, and I don't have a set quiet time. Now, listen to me. Because some some of you are hearing me say that and you're getting all up in arms about it. If you have a set quiet time, keep it. If you have a wonderful experience already in a set quiet time and reading your Bible and reading through the Bible, so many chapters a day and all of that, and that's life-giving for you, don't stop it. But here's the key. Is it life-giving Or is it a matter of obedience? Is it life-giving and truly lifts you and you come away from it energized? And you go into it. When you have the thought of keeping your time, your quiet time, is it energizing? Is it life-giving? Is it lighthearted? Do you look forward to it? Do you rush to the place of prayer? Do you enjoy when you're in it? Or is it filled with obligation and obedience and wondering whether or not you have enough faith, you've said the right words, you've said them loud enough, soft enough? (laughs) Verse 7. And in this place of worship and gratitude, you will witness how the peace of God within you echoes the awareness of your oneness in Christ Jesus beyond the reach of any thought that could possibly unsettle you. Just like the sentry guard secures a city, watching out in advance for the first signs of any possible threat, your deepest feelings and the tranquility of your thoughts are fully guarded there. If my prayer time isn't producing that kind of peace, and comfort and draw to the Lord. And I get done and I think, oh man, it's been great to be with you, Jesus. I want to do this again. You know there are people in your life, do you know what I'm talking about, don't you? All of you, don't you have people in your life that's easy to be with? And you look forward to being with them? Maybe going to the movie or hanging out, having a dinner, right? And then aren't there people that you really... You don't look forward to being with. You have to spend some time over something, but you're not looking forward to it. And they're high-maintenance people. We, we tend to call them high-maintenance people. They're drained. When you get done and you leave their presence, it's like you need to go, 
whew, I, I need to go get an ice cream or something. <laughs> I just, man, that was draining. That's how prayer time is for a lot of people. It's just draining. It's not life-giving. It's not, oh my goodness, Jesus, that was exciting. How fun was that? I look forward to the next time. He will absolutely guard your thoughts. There it is again. It starts in the mind. It starts with your thoughts because that's where Holy Spirit. And look at the wording here. First of all, how the peace of God within you echoes the awareness of your oneness. See, there we go, revisiting what I told you early. earlier. It's about practicing oneness. You don't have to work prayer up. You are one. Don't work it up, just be. And then he says, in the moment. Turn those moments into worship. Car, shower, walking the dog, whatever you might be doing, turn them into moments where in his awareness then you just respond to Holy Spirit and lift your prayer to God. See prayer as an opportunity to remove the duality promoted by religious systems. I'm going to say it again. See prayer as an opportunity to eliminate the duality promoted by religious systems where we have this life over here, my secular life, my I have to go do this life, and then I'm going to go now be with God. So I'm going to pull aside, I'm going to close the closet door, I'm going to get my Bible out, put on some worship, and I'm going to be with Holy Spirit. That's where Holy Spirit really talks to me. Can I ask you why? Why do you have this dual life going on of Holy Spirit and Jesus in the Bible and secular and the things you kind of had to do and resent doing and boy, I just wish I could be with Jesus all day. Why is that? Because that's what we've been taught through the discipline of prayer. And I say, prayer is not a discipline. (laughs) Prayer is a life-giving relationship and conversation with Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. And so all of your activity can be an act of worship. Do you golf? Do you golf? Used to? What do you do for just like hanging out and relaxing and doing nothing. Do you do something in particular? (laughs) Probably cutting down trees, right? (laughs) I work. (laughs) Matt, are you a golfer? Okay. Did you know Holy Spirit is with you when you're golfing? I mean, did you know, I mean, you could just be falling out in God's power while you're golfing. If you would stop living this dual life of, well, I'm going to go golf, but then I haven't had my prayer time yet today, so I've got to go set aside a half hour or an hour for prayer over here, doing it this way. Why? Why can't you do that on the golf course? If you don't allow it to be a distraction, Paul's clear. We can't allow things to be a distraction to us. We've got to focus on on Holy Spirit. But, oh, I, I love this because I'm learning that it's really about relationship. 
And, and I'm learning that I'm partnering with God to bring heaven to earth. I'm partnering with God to bring heaven to earth. That's all. I'm done. All right, everybody, could we stand to our feet? I'd like to pray as we close our service now. We have three prayers that we are, uh, that, the, that the Holy Spirit gave us at the beginning of the year. And uh, I'd like you to just read them aloud with me here. Your word is an encounter. We ask you for regular encounters which challenge us to see differently, as you see, not as ones bound up by religious teachings, evangelical dogma, fear and guilt, or any other compromise. Make us less certain about the things of which we are certain and more open to the possibilities that we don't see. And finally, cause us to understand that when you said you'd never leave us, you meant it. So we declare in faith that 2021 will be a year of breakthrough and awareness, awareness of your presence, awareness of your power, awareness of your provision, and awareness of your love. God bless you, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us by live stream, everybody. Bye-bye.